Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Not long after the death of King Solomon, David's son, the nation of Israel separated and became two kingdoms. Solomon's son Rehoboam became king in Jerusalem and ruled on the throne. But another one, Jeroboam, departed from Jerusalem and led ten of the twelve tribes away, establishing the northern kingdom called Israel, with a different center of worship in Dan far in the north. In the book of Deuteronomy, Jehovah makes it clear that he has chosen only one place on this entire earth to be the center for his worship. And to break this God-ordained principle is an abomination in the eyes of Jehovah. Listen to his word in Deuteronomy chapter 12. But you shall seek the Lord at the place which the Lord your God shall choose from all your tribes to establish his name there for his dwelling, and there you shall come. You shall not do at all what we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. Be careful that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place you see, but in the place which the Lord chose. Francis Paul has joined us as we uh, come to a confirming portion in the Scripture in the book of Second Chronicles today that confirms this matter he brought up so emphatically in chapter 12 of Deuteronomy, doesn't it, Francis? Yes, it is a marvelous uh, message here because I happen to have, Chris, transcription of Brother Lee's prayer in opening this message. I wonder if it would be all right to read it. I believe our audience would really be help to see what kind of prayer he uttered when he opened up this message. He said, Lord, how we thank you. Thank you for this time, a time to be with you, a time to be with all the saints from around the globe. What a chance, Lord, that we can have a blending, a blending not only among ourselves, but a blending with you. Oh, hallelujah, what a blending. We, the human beings, the tripartite man, can be blended with the triune God. Lord, give us a heart to treasure this time. We would never let this time go. We would never let you go. And we would never let ourselves go. We don't need to wrestle with you as Jacob did, but we do like to be blended with you. We believe the entire congregation, including this hall, is under your anointing this morning. Oh, the anointing of the compound spirit, the all-inclusive life-giving spirit, and the consummation of the triune God to dwell within us. Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, we were born in this day, the most blessed day, the day that will close this age, the day that will bring you back. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your opening up your word. We do not only have the printed word, but we have the interpreted word, the word opened up to us waiting for us to take. 
Help us, Lord. We are still nothing. We are weak. We need you. Amen. Boy, amen is right. I was really impressed with this prayer as it opens up this portion of the Word. Mm, that is very marvelous. And uh, particularly, I like the part uh, near the end of that prayer, Francis, thanking the Lord for opening up his Word. We come to these Old Testament books, and don't uh, don't we have that sense almost every day that these uh, portions that have been so mysterious for so long to God's people have been opened up in such a marvelous way. Certainly, we do have the interpreted word. We really do. Well, the interpretation of the word we're going to come to today in Second Chronicles, and as I said, is a confirming word to Deuteronomy chapter 12. I just read a couple of uh, verses there in the opening from Deuteronomy 12, but time after time, I can't recall exactly how many times, but I, I remember as many, maybe you do remember in chapter 12, how often the Lord refers to this place which he shall choose, warning the children of Israel not to do what is right in your own eyes, but limit yourself to the place which I have chosen. And of course, that was referring to Jerusalem, the center of the worship of God in the Old Testament dispensation, and it was marvelous in what it represented, more than just a specific place. It was that, but it represented something much greater, Francis. It represented the oneness of God's people, didn't it? Yes, that's the marvelous thing that this demonstrates in the book of Deuteronomy, what we really see carried out in reality in the New Testament books, Uh particularly the epistles of Paul. Well, to go back a little bit in the history, these two uh, kingdoms had emerged, this northern kingdom called the Kingdom of Israel and uh, the kingdom that remained centered in Jerusalem, which was then known as the Kingdom of Judah. And the line of the kings of Judah remained faithful to God's word uh, according to their standing in Jerusalem, faithful to what uh, he had ordained in Deuteronomy 12. And for that, they are commended, even though a number of these kings are not altogether that positive, but at least they maintained their standing on the ground, the proper ground that God had chosen for them to bring their offerings, to practice their proper worship, and the temple remained there in Jerusalem. Very significant. This is the place that God had chosen. So in Chronicles, which are supplemental books to the other history books in the Old Testament, there's really no account given to the kings in the north, the ones that were worshiping in Dan, these alternate places, uh, Dan and Bethel, that were set up. All of the attention is focused on Judah, isn't it? Yes, those are the kings that really maintained the proper ground that the Lord had drawn so much attention to. Why don't we join Witness Lee with this first portion, and then we'll come back. I think he'll underscore this point uh, in a good way in this first segment. All right, here's Witness Lee. Chronicles, the two books at the end, bear burden, particularly to show us how the kings in Judah, even they were standing on the right ground, the ground chosen by God, ordained by God, established by God, that is Jerusalem chosen by God according to his ordination given in Deuteronomy 12. Jerusalem stands there. That is the center of God on the whole earth. The whole earth have to worship him. Well, where is the center? Have you ever thought about it? Where is the center of God's worship on this whole earth? Jerusalem. People today are there quarreling, debating 
hohes Ordner of Jerusalem. I laugh at them. You're all foolish people. You're talking about one thing you don't know. Only he is the owner, not anyone else. Jerusalem belongs to the triune God. Amen. Firstly, you know, that place was pointed out by God to Abraham. You know, Abraham was ordered by God to go to that Mount Moriah. Do you know that Mount Moriah was just Zion? Zion is a peak of that Mount Moriah. And uh, Abraham built an altar there to offer Isaac, which was a tithe of Christ. Later on, when Solomon built the temple, you know, David told him, you don't need to select a place. The place has been selected already by God. And God has told me where would that be. That will be just on the Mount of Moriah, where Isaac was offered by his father Abraham to God. I believe the site of the temple was that very spot. God ordained that. Francis, it's clear from Genesis and the early books of the Old Testament and then these books of history, uh, the center of God's plan on the earth at that time with his people was clearly Jerusalem, and he never varied from that principle. For us today as New Testament believers, why is this principle even matter? Why is it worth going back and studying and being uh, instructed by? Well, I believe, uh, Chris, In my experience, if I remember right, it's been about 40 years ago that Brother Lee came to this country and brought our attention to Deuteronomy chapter 12. I remember I had been through several steps in my Christian life, brought up in a denomination that was very centered on the gospel, and then going eventually to the brethren for a number of years, centered on the recovered truths. But I'd never heard anything about the ground as it's brought out in Deuteronomy, that God had a choice where he would place his name, and this was to limit the people of God to that place for worship him, to make them one, where God could have them together in oneness. That was broken by Jeroboam, as you mentioned, and also it applies very much to what we call the ground of the church today which we have realized that so clearly marked out in the New Testament, when he mentions anything about a local group of Christians, it always has to be in the ground of oneness. And that oneness is to be one with all the believers in that city. We had the church in Jerusalem, the church in Antioch, the church in all the ones in Revelation 2 and 3. Every church is identified by the name of a city. And the ground of that church is the oneness of the people of God. 
And of course, that church identified with the city is, as you said, inclusive of all the believers in that city. The church in the city includes all of the believers. So, you know, this matter of the church being universal is accepted uh, by Christians everywhere, that the church uh, outside of time and space is universally one. When this universal church touches the earth in time and space, it remains one. And that is one including all of the genuine believers, doesn't it? That's right. All the redeemed children of God make up the church in that city. And that preserves the oneness of God's people, just as Jerusalem did in his Old Testament dispensation. Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 12. I want to read a couple of verses here. It's interesting, the uh, justification that Jeroboam uses uh, with the people when he attempts to establish, or when he successfully establishes these alternate places of worship. In verse 26, Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kingdom will return to the house of David if this people goes up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me. So the king consulted and made two golden calves, and he said to them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. It's too much for you, he says. It's too uh, inconvenient for you. Let me make it easier for you. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee for this coming portion. All the kings of Judah remained on that proper ground. But all the other kings of Israel left that ground. Jeroboam set up another ground. That was a kind of abomination in the eyes of God. So all the kings of Judah were right, number one. Number two, all the kings of Judah kept their belief in the word of God given by Moses. So they are fundamental. They are right. And these two things to remain on the proper ground and to keep their fundamental faith in God's word. These are two attractions. These two attractions attracted a good number of people. All the priests, all the Levites, they left the other tribes. They came back to Jerusalem. Not only the priests and Levites, but all the Jehovah seekers. They left their property. They give up their property. They threw their lot on Judah because Judah was on the ground and keeping the uh, fundamental faith. But uh, this is not all that we should have. You can see Chronicle gives us 12 examples. All these are on the ground. All these are keeping the fundamental faith. But, the big but, how they are, how they conduct themselves, how they behave themselves, how they do things, how they face situation, what is their intention, what is their interest, and what is their goal. Too many items. In other words, today, how you treat your wife, you are one other standing on the ground, you keep the fundamental faith, but when you talk to the wife, 
Well, how about your attitude? In the spirit or what? According to the spirit, according to what? Well, Francis, here were these 12 kings that are recorded in Chronicles, the 12 that remained in Judah, kept the proper ground, and even they kept the word of Moses. So that means they were fundamental in their faith. They kept the word of of the Old Testament. And they attracted a lot of seeking ones. The priests, the Levites from all the tribes would come back ultimately to Jerusalem, we read. But uh, not that much positive still because in their being, a lot of them did not maintain something that is equally important to their standing, did they? That is sadly the truth. I think we have to realize that the things that have been brought out here about the ground of the church being Jerusalem, that is the ground for Israel, God's people at that time being Jerusalem was one thing, and the kings did maintain that. All those kings in Judah, as you said, did maintain that ground, and that's very good. And they also kept the word of Moses, which was the word of God. So if you apply that to today, there is the need to keep the oneness among God's people. How we meet, how we come together to worship the Lord should be a matter of oneness, not of division like Jeroboam going up to the north and creating a division. As Brother Lee pointed out, that's a real abomination. God really hates division because he loves oneness. He himself is one, the triune God. So he loves the oneness, and anything that brings division is not pleasant to him. Now we see that there's more to it than just this, keeping the right position, the right ground. And there is also the matter of the truth recovering all the truths and maintaining all the truths that are in the Bible. It's so marvelous to see so many of the truths in the Bible have been brought to us in these last 40 years. It is really a blessing to be in this day and see what the Lord is doing to recover this oneness. But particularly, he brought out in this portion the things that really touched me. I think a lot of us would feel the same, even though we have maybe left any kind of division to come back to the oneness, and we are still obeying the word. We see it unfolded to us, and it's working its way into us. But he said there's a big but. And he brought out several things here that just causes us to examine where we are and how we are. If we are in the right place, that's the best thing. And if we're in the word of God, that is also the best thing. But there must be our conduct our behaving ourselves, how we do things, how we face situations, what is our intention, what is our interest, and what is our goal. All of these things examine how we live and how we have to be. He even mentioned how we treat our wives indicates how much of the truth and how much of the reality is being worked into us. Because as he brought out in the prayer, his intention is to blend himself with man. Now, if we have God blending with us, surely that's going to make a difference in the way we live. We should be living a God-man life. And so when he brought this out about how you treat your wife and so on, it made me consider how much failure there is, how much reaction I get within myself at certain things that I may question. But We have to have this kind of life. If we're going to be on the proper ground with the proper truth, we must have the proper life. 
and that life is the mingling of God and man into our human spirit so we can live this kind of life, a God-man life. Francis, in uh, the final segment today, we're going to stay on this very point. I think it's uh, maybe helpful looking at the Apostle Paul. Certainly, no one could question the ground that he was on. No one could question the fact that he remained faithful to the fundamental truth and the fundamental faith. But in uh, Philippians 3, he says, Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I pursue, if even I may lay hold of that for which I also have been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not account of myself to have laid hold, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before, I pursue toward the goal for the prize to which God in Christ Jesus has called me upward. He maintained this proper goal and proper attitude all the way through. What an example to us. Yes. This really exposes and makes real his intention, his goal, and what he was living for. Well, let's go back to Witness League for this final portion. Today, the Lord wants so many of his believers gradually transform to be God-man. To be the God-man. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says, The Lord is Spirit. Then 18 says, We should keep our face open. No veil. Looking unto him. Looking at him. That we may be transformed. Everybody knows Transformation needs a process. Transformation cannot take place overnight. Transformed into his image. Then Romans 8.29 says, God has predestinated us to be what? To be conformed. Not just transformed, but also conformed to the image of the Son that this then might be the firstborn among many brothers. In the Old Testament history books, you can see pictures. Chronicle selected 12 kings of Judah as examples, showing us how we the lovers of God, the seekers of Christ, are now standing on the right ground and we are keeping the fundamental truth. What should we do? Just to have these two things is not adequate. We have to take care who we are. We have to take care of behavior, our conduct. We have to take care of our interest, our intention, our purpose, our goal our attitude, our voice. So our pursuing of Christ determines the degree how high we would be in enjoying Christ. The highest attainment, the highest success of pursuing Christ is to reign with him in his divine life. Francis, we have just about one minute, only time for kind of a closing thought, but he really, I think, 
brought everything together in this last portion, didn't he? Uh, the degree of our success is determined more by uh, our goal and our pursuit than it is by just even our proper standing. Yes, that's right. All these matters are important, but the goal is what is most to occupy us. That is to be transformed by the dispensing of the divine life into us through his word and into our spirit till we have a living that is a transformed living like the Lord Jesus and even is the Lord Jesus as the spirit living himself in us. So this is the real purpose of all that we've seen. But we have to say also that the ground is important, the truths are important, but our behavior and our way of pursuing Christ is the fulfillment of all these important matters. Well, we have more of the uh, opened and interpreted word of these Old Testament books before us as we continue our life study. Francis, I hope that our listeners would take advantage of the opportunity to get these printed messages that uh, allow them to go through them in a much slower, more uh, deliberate pace and really dig these truths out and investigate them for yourself. So if you'd like to do that, please call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening today. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more about these two 20th century New Testament ministers, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, That's lsm.org. Thank you for listening today.